0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.
0: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns.
2: Welcome on into Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. Proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is America's number one daily podcast network. A lot to cover on today's edition of the show. Day 2 of BYU Spring Ball. We'll recap some of the things I saw yesterday during about the 30 or 40 minutes that the media was able to watch of practice. Day 2 of spring camp, still in only helmets, so it to still take things with a grain of salt, but we'll talk about some of the observations from that period. Also, we'll talk about the awards that were handed out in the West Coast Conference on the men's side of things. BYU saw a few players honored, but as expected, number one one ranked Gonzaga pretty much swept every major honor in the conference we'll talk about that as well and then, as as we always do we'll catch up on everything else going on in BYU sports a big home opening victory for BYU baseball we'll recap it all for you on today's podcast thanks again for joining me for this Wednesday hump day edition of the show let's get going this is Locked on Cougars for March 6th 2019 Welcome in, guys. I'm Jay catch your host here on the podcast. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. I am your resident BYU insider and host on this daily podcast. Thanks again for joining me on this Wednesday edition of the show. Day two of BYU spring ball is in the books. Uh, the Cougars will take today off before resuming practices tomorrow and Friday. Kind of the format BYU is going to follow this month with spring ball is about four practices a week, usually Monday, Tuesday, take Wednesday off, and then Thursday, Friday, uh, Uh, They may stretch things into a Saturday every so often, but the media observation portion of practice this week is officially over. We were allowed to observe Monday and Tuesday's practices and only helmets. They'll put the pads on tomorrow for the first time, shoulder pads. It's all part of the NCAA acclimatization period that BYU has to go through like every other team. So our next chance to catch the Cougars in action won't come until next week so I've got some interviews lined up we'll play throughout the rest of this week I had a chance to catch up with uh, coaches like Ed Lamb and Steve Clark also chatted with Laulu Pututau about his recovery from his ACL tear a year ago so we'll have some of those interviews filter in throughout the week Uh, today had a lot of information I wanted to share with you about both BYU basketball and football so we're going to forego an interview today but we'll get back to those tomorrow some good thoughts, especially from Steve Clark and Moroni with the tight end group. We talked about it last week as one of our burning questions. What does BYU do at tight end? Well, Steve Clark helps explain who is actually available at tight end, and then Moroni kind of gives an update on his health and what he believes he can do at the tight end position once he's able to play one again. So, Stay tuned for those later this week because it was good to catch up with both of those gentlemen and also some great thoughts from Ed Lamb on the linebacking core and special teams. So kind of some teases for you of stuff to look forward to over the next couple of podcasts. All right, let's break into what I saw yesterday during spring ball. We were out there, like I said, about 30 to 40 minutes. BYU went a little bit longer than anticipated just due to, it looked like Jeff Grimes and the offensive staff was trying to get something figured out, I guess, with their calls. I don't know, maybe it was the players weren't running something correctly so they spent a little extra time in a team portion to end practice so I'm not going to complain as a media member getting to watch more BYU practicing, but it was good to see uh, the three quarterbacks that were participating once again, getting the majority of the reps, if not all of them, were Joe Critchlow, Jaron Hall, and Baylor Romney. I thought yesterday Jaron Hall looked especially good. Uh, Without pads on, it's hard to kind of gauge how guys are going to go. Uh, Kalani Sitake, I asked him yesterday about how much hitting this team would do. Uh, We had Ed Lamb on the Zone Sports Network last week saying that if they were an established player who had played a lot in games probably wouldn't be a lot of action in terms of live action for them this spring but here was Kalani Sitake on how much hitting was going to go on in his mind this spring ball we have to hit
1: you know but we to get better but I don't, I don't know um this is going to be a different spring than it was last year and the year before and so looking at the guys that we have and the things that we need to accomplish um I'll still that's kind of still up in the air on how, how physical we're going to be but you have to you have to be physical um especially the line of scrimmage with the O-line, D-line. So we'll we'll see how much live work we get. I don't know if we'll be putting our quarterbacks to the live stuff, but then again, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it feels. Ask me on Thursday. Oh, You guys won't be there, right?
2: No, not until next.
1: Ask me on Thursday, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Just text me.
2: There you go, Kalani Satake, and he said, "You heard him say it." I'm not sure about the quarterbacks, and I think it'll be tough to gauge a guy like Jaron Hall, who I mentioned before. We played that clip; he looked very good yesterday, slinging the ball around. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he had a touchdown pass to Morgan Piper, who is a running back uh, to keep an eye on. Another one of those guys who's standing out early in spring. We'll see how he plays the rest of the year. Um, in terms of running backs, if you're a running back on BYU's roster right now, I think you got a good shot at being on the roster in fall. Just. Be Because BYU's light on bodies at that position and doesn't doesn't hurt you when you're hauling in touchdown passes on a wheel route that Jaron Hall tossed to you. So Morgan Piper had a good day yesterday. But Jaron Hall, in terms of his ability to scramble, make plays with his feet. I, I, it's going to be tough to gauge how effective he actually could be unless they actually go live. I, maybe Kalani Sitake decides to reverse course and makes his quarterback's lives at some makes his quarterback live at some point in spring ball. But Jaron Hall looked good yesterday. Baylor Romney had a good day as well. I have to say, uh, Gunner Romney. A lot of people expected him to have a breakout freshman year. He was hampered by a hamstring injury early and just never really kind of got into the groove of things as a freshman. Holy smokes! Yesterday at least, he looked like every bit the wide receiver or BYU fans and media have been hyping this kid to be. Hauled in multiple passes, caught a touchdown pass from his older brother Baylor, who's playing at quarterback and looked pretty good yesterday. But Gunnar Romney looked extremely polished. His routes were on point yesterday. He was pulling in everything thrown in his direction. So good, good to see a guy like Gunnar Romney who you expect to have a big year, to be a big time contributor in the fall when a lot of other guys who are those. Uh, headliners or the big contributors are out for spring. Good to see Gunnar Romney stepping up and playing extremely well. So that's some of the notes from the offensive side of things. On the oh, and one other note: uh, Kavika Fanua, uh, of course, is, uh, was a guy that was very much in the mix for the running back position in 2017. Suffered a nasty, nasty ankle injury during fall camp of that year and spent the majority of that in the in, of the time interim until now having multiple surgeries on his ankle and leg, getting back to full health. Well, he's out there now and playing and and it looks like he's got a little bit of his burst back. So we'll see what happens with Kavika Fanua. I mentioned running backs. If you, if you're running back on this roster, it definitely could help. And if you get anything out of Fanua, him being healthy, that very much could help with the depth issue that BYU seems to have at that position. So good to see Kavika Fanua on the defensive side of things that I saw yesterday. I have to say JJ and Wigway, uh, um, they moved him over from tight end during the season last year. He officially took a red shirt. He'll be a red shirt senior this year on the defensive line. His first step looks very good. Similar to what I mentioned with Jaron Hall a minute ago, really won't know until the pads come on. Kalani Satake, after practice yesterday, speaking to the media. Um, well, I'll just play it for you. Here's what he had to say in terms of what happens once the pads go on.
1: Probably defensively, they'll be excited because they get to make more, more plays, you know, and um, get to see what the front can do with D-line against the O-line. So, Right now, it's not. It's kind of boring for the D line right now. So we'll we'll see what happens, and uh, when we get the shoulder pads on.
2: There you go, Kalani Satake. and yeah, he said that the defensive line's a little bit bored right now. But JJ and Wigway it looks like he has a pretty good first step. We're talking like being that first quick, st- quick twitch step that gets you past offensive linemen, etc. If he's able to capitalize on that, maybe the move to defensive end actually paid off. I questioned the move all along. I think a lot of media members did, and fans alike. <laughs> But we'll see. I I really want to see with pads on. Zach Dawes also moved from defensive tackle out to defensive end, and he's looking like he's trimmed down a little bit. So this defensive line, I'm interested to see next week when we finally have a chance to go watch, practice again, see them actually in pads, see them actually going one-on-one, etc., with offensive linemen. We'll see how good they look. But in terms of just being able to do what they can do in helmets, the defensive line looks pretty good. Um, Longi Tui Fua, a guy that BYU fans, I think, expected to play defensive end, be a pass rusher for BYU. I really feel like he might be going the same route that Sione Taki does. He hasn't really been able to put on the weight that's requisite to play defensive line, defensive end in BYU's scheme. They usually like guys like 260, 270 pounds. Tui Fu was listed at 235, but they've moved him to linebacker and giving him a look there, and I think that's not a bad idea. Uh, Sione Taki-Taki was one of BYU's best uh, pass rushers at 238 pounds. I guess officially is what he weighed in at, at the NFL Combine. He might have played a little bit lighter, but... He was very effective coming off the edge as a linebacker. So maybe Longhi Tuifua follows that route. We'll see. I was really impressed with BYU and what they were able to do in their nickel packages. They moved Diane Ganwoleku back to safety in those packages. Troy Warner moved up to play the nickel back. Uh, You had Keenan Ellis and D'Angelo Mandel as the two corners in that system. And Sawyer Powell was the other safety. It would usually kind of be Austin Lee's spot there, but Austin Lee is out for spring. But I really like what BYU is showing in this nickel package. Uh, Troy Warner and Diane Gonwolakou are bigger bodied safeties. Same with Sawyer Powell. So they can play almost that hybrid linebacker role where they could move up into the box if need be. If a team sees that nickel package and decides to run it on BYU, they can step up into that hole and I think they can take on blockers and make tackles. So I don't know if BYU necessarily is going to follow the same vein of what we've seen at the University of Utah over the last couple of years, where essentially Utah has gone to a 4-2-5 defense all the time. They don't they only play with two linebackers on the field. They like a hybrid nickelback type of player that Trey Warner has been playing as what BYU calls the flash linebacker spot. I don't know if BYU goes to that full time in 2019, but they at least have that option. They'll use it this system a lot because there are teams that are going to try and spread them out. So they have to put five defensive backs on the field. But early on in spring ball, that versatility I think that they're working on very much could be a, a benefit come the season because if you can get guys working together, working as a unit, and you're able to play almost a base package of nickel and you still are able to hold up against the run, it only makes your defense all the more effective. So. There you go. Some of my thoughts on the defensive side of things. Uh, plenty of other things to keep an eye on. We'll be updating it as we go out to practice, et cetera. Like I said, I've got some interviews uh, piled up that we'll be playing over the next couple of days. But I felt like today I had a lot of notes to get to. And I also wanted to talk some BYU basketball with the West Coast Conference Awards that we'll talk about next. So we'll get to those interviews later this week. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And let you hear uh, from guys like Ed Lamb, Moroni, Laulu Pututau, and also Steve Clark. So stay tuned for all of that. We'll step aside here, come back on the other side, talk about those West Coast Conference Awards, BYU players being honored for their play in conference play. That's the one clarification when it comes to the WCC Awards. It's all based just on conference play. We'll talk about Gonzaga sweeping the major awards and BYU where they were placed as well. That's all coming up next, right here on Locked On Cougars. Locked On Cougars, and this is your daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. Thanks again for joining me, Jay Catch. A reminder for you guys, when you're out and about driving errands, uh, making the commute to school to drop your kids off, making your commute to work, whatever you're doing, you can listen to this podcast really easy. A lot of us get in our car, plug our phone in, listening to music, uh, making phone calls, um, having our personal assistants write down appointments, etc. Well, that personal assistant can help you listen to the latest in BYU news with Locked On Cougars. Cougars. All you have to do is tell it, play podcast Locked on Cougars. And while you're in the car, you can get up to date with this daily podcast focused on all things BYU. I uh, appreciate your guys' continued support of the podcast. It is absolutely a blast to bring it to you each and every day. And I would encourage you guys to use that. Use that personal assistant and tell it, play podcast Locked on Cougars. And you'll always be up to date with everything with BYU because that is our goal is to make sure that you are up to date every day with everything going on in BYU sports. All right, let's move over, to, move over to basketball now. The West Coast Conference announced their uh, season awards, I guess the conference awards, and as expected, the number one ranked team in the country, Gonzaga, swept the major awards. Player of the Year went to Rui Hachimura. He's been a, been a fantastic player all year long, the forward, and Gonzaga did this without um, Killian Tilly, who might be actually, in my opinion, maybe the best player on that roster, but Rui Hachimura, uh, very consistent during conference play, put up big numbers. He wins Player of the the Year. Coach of the Year, unsurprisingly, goes to Mark Few, head coach of Gonzaga. Defensive Player of the Year goes to Brandon Clark, who's just an absolute terror on the interior for Gonzaga. A two-way player, a true shot blocker, and also just a menace when it comes to rolling towards the basket. And conversely, him coming over from San Jose State as a transfer, he also wins Newcomer of the Year. So a clean sweep goes to Gonzaga, and that's not all that surprising. They're the number one ranked team in the country. They are undefeated in West Coast Conference play, absolutely blittering rating teams, Santa Clara, BYU, St. Mary's, nobody was immune to what uh, Gonzaga was going to do to you this season, and they're a favorite to win the national title, they've got some competition, of course we've seen Duke all over ESPN this year, Virginia looks very good right now. We'll see if they're ultimately able to um, stand up and win the title, but they're the number one ranked team currently, and they also, as such, also dominated the West Coast Conference Men's Basketball First Team Awards. Four Gonzaga players made it, including Clark, Hachimura, Zach Norvell Jr. also made it, and Josh Perkins. Those are the four Gonzaga players on the list. Uh, James Bateman from Loyola Marymount, a senior guard, made the list. Uh, Frankie Ferrari, of course, the senior guard from San Francisco, was lights out this year. Jordan Ford, another guard for St. Mary's made the first team. Isaiah Pinero, a well-deserved honor, the senior forward out of San Diego. And then Colby Ross, a guy that played for Pepperdine, fell under the radar a little bit. Pepperdine didn't have the greatest year, but Colby Ross, only a sophomore, had a good season for the Waves. Well, you're wondering, okay, what BYU guys, where did they land? Yoli Childs was the lone player to make the West Coast Conference first team. So congratulations to Yoli Childs. Well deserved. He is very good. But I have a beef to pick with West Coast Conference coaches because these are the coaches that vote on these awards. How in the world does TJ Hawes not make the first team? This guy has been the steady number two option for BYU. Of course, it is his third straight year getting all WCC honors. It's the most in the conference currently. So congratulations on the honor alone to TJ Haas. But it bugs me that TJ Haas is listed on the all WCC men's basketball second team. Um, The guys he's listed alongside include Charles Minland from San Francisco, Olin Carter III from San Diego, Taj 80 from Santa Clara, and Malik Fitz from St. Mary's. I'm sorry. TJ Hawes is not a second-team player this year. Drop off James Bateman or Kobe Ross. Their teams didn't necessarily do as well. BYU won the third seed. They had a chance for the second seed. TJ Haas should be a first-team honoree. Call me a homer, whatever you want, but TJ Haas is averaging over 20 points. He was an absolute revelation at the point guard spot for BYU this year, especially with Jasheer Harden dealing with all the issues he had health-wise, etc., I don't see why TJ Hawes was relegated to the second team. Maybe the coaches felt like, well, we need to make it a little more fair. We have four Gonzaga players. I don't care. You only have one St. Mary's. They won the second seed. Like I don't care. TJ Hawes averaged over 20 points in conference play for BYU. There were games. Yeah, he had. He, he didn't. He didn't play necessarily very well. I can remember that game. I believe is at Loyola Marymount. Might have scored only seven points in that game, but he was an absolute menace in terms of passing the ball with assists, playing good defense. He's a fearless player, and he should have been a first-team honoree. That's just me. Um, One other player from BYU that was honored included Gavin Baxter. He was on the All-WCC men's basketball freshman team. That is a well-deserved honor. He absolutely deserves to be on that list. He joins Damian Douglas, who is a forward for Loyola Marymount. Kessler Edwards from Pepperdine. Philippe Petrusev from Gonzaga. Yet again, Gonzaga, another guy on a team. And this Petrusev kid in limited minutes with all the other players that Gonzaga has. Fantastic player, but Petrusev's a guy to keep an eye on going forward and only a freshman usually Gonzaga you see they have juniors and seniors that transfer in well they got one freshman and it looks like he's gonna be a guy to pick up to, to play against over the next few years and then Trey Wirtz the other player on the freshman team uh, a guard from Santa Clara so like I said it, it bugs me that uh, it just bugs me that TJ Haas got the second team when I firmly dis- thought he would be a first-team honoree. So be it. Gonzaga uh, to the victor goes with the spoils. St. Mary's uh, had a good year. They won the second seed, kind of under the radar, ended up in the second seed. BYU had their chance to take it away and, and choked it away with that loss to San Francisco, but congratulations I guess overall is what I should say to Yoli Childs for his first-team honors, TJ Haas for second-team honors, and also Gavin Baxter for being on the men's basketball freshman team all WCC all are great honors. Don't, don't get me wrong. I just felt like TJ Hawes got a, done a little hard by when it comes to being on the second team there. All right, we will step aside here. We'll come back. We'll wrap up everything else that's going on in BYU sports. A uh, home opener this season for BYU baseball. They got the game in last night despite some weather concerns. We'll talk about that next as well as some other awards that were handed out to other BYU sports teams. That's all coming up next right here on Locked on Cougars. Welcome back. As we close out today's edition of the show, a reminder for you guys, do use your personal assistant when you're out and about in the car. You can listen to this podcast and always be up to date on BYU sports. Uh, Some awards that were handed out yesterday include uh, yet again Shannon Evans from BYU Women's Gymnastics. She was named as Gymnast of the Week by the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference. Awesome to see what she is doing. She scored a 39.425 in the all-around at their tri-meet against George Washington and Maryland last week. She earned a nine-point on vault, 9.95 on the bars, 9.825 on beam, and 9.85 on the floor awesome to see this. Shannon Evans, it's her eighth straight week that she's been honored by the MRGC. Um, it's her second time being gymnast of the week overall. BYU is back on the road this week at Boise State tomorrow, Thursday, March 7 at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. So congratulations to Shannon Evans. She's leading this BYU women's gymnastics team, and I think this is a team that's on the rise. I really like what Guard Young is doing here. It's hard to compete in gymnastics because It's just when you have an elite program, they seem to scoop up the elite athletes. There's also the Olympic teams, etc. But I really like what Guard Young is building. We'll see if it pays off in anything big time down the road, but slowly but surely, it's cool to see BYU women's gymnastics showing some good things. They've been ranked inside the top 20 pretty consistently throughout this season. So best of luck to them as they take on Boise State tomorrow night. Uh, Men's tennis, they continue their climb up the national rankings. They are now ranked number 22 in the country by in the ITA Oracle Collegiate Men's Division One Tennis Men's National Rankings. Hopefully, I got that correct. Let's try that again. ITA Oracle Collegiate Tennis Division One Men's National Rankings. That's a mouthful. But being ranked number 22 in the country, it is the highest ranking BYU Men's Tennis has achieved since 1985. I wasn't alive in 1985. I was born in 1987. I'm 31 years old. Or 32 now. Holy smokes. Anyways, but cool to see that. Congratulations to Brad Pierce and his team. They continue to do great things. They took down number 40, Old Dominion, 4 nothing last week. They're traveling to Idaho this week. They'll face Boise State on Saturday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. So best of luck to the men's tennis team. Hopefully they can keep winning. I believe they got an eight-game, eight-match winning streak. Hopefully they can keep that going and keep climbing in the national rankings, get inside that top 20 We'll see how it goes, but congratulations once again on the achievement by BYU men's tennis. And then finally, uh, BYU baseball started off their season in well, I guess not their season, their home season in fine form. Jackson Clough had a pair of triples, including a bases-clearing triple in the seventh, uh, the eighth inning, excuse me, to help BYU to a five-one victory over UCCU over UVU in the UCCU crosstown clash last night at Miller Field. So congratulations to BYU men's baseball. Pitching continues to get it done. Uh, UVU took that one-nothing lead, but then BYU didn't let them score again the rest of the night. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Pitching is at a premium in the collegiate game. BYU made some changes with their pitching staff and their coaches that were helping with the pitching staff in the offseason. And at least early on this season, BYU off to an 8-3 and three start. Awesome to see that. Uh, Reed McLaughlin got the win yesterday uh, with his 1.1 innings pitch, had one strikeout there. And it's just, it's cool to see pitching for BYU paying off in a big way. Hopefully it holds up. Hopefully guys stay healthy because if they do, BYU very much could be in the mix in the West Coast Conference coming up later this season when they begin conference play. They start a three game set at home tomorrow against Milwaukee. Hopefully the weather will stay away and they can get all three games in that are scheduled this weekend at Miller Park. The nice part is with that new turf field with snow, rain, etc. They actually can still play games because guess what? Infield dirt ain't getting wet because it's a turf field. I know some people were upset about that when BYU installed it, but I actually thought it was genius what BYU did. Oh, excuse me. Actually, it's a four-game series. So it starts tomorrow, Thursday, March 7th at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. They'll play a double header on Friday and then the final game on Saturday. So actually four chances to see the Cougars against Milwaukee this weekend at Miller Park. Get out and enjoy it I know it's early in the year to be enjoying baseball here along the Wasatch front but the nice part is with BYU in that field they can get those games in and I think it's awesome to see that so congratulations to the team on winning that opening the home opener against UVU and hopefully they can win the other four games this week and continue to build their record here in the early season all right, there you go. That's the podcast for today. Thanks again for joining me. We will be back tomorrow, uh, talking as we always do about BYU sports. I mentioned we have got, have some interviews from in BYU a spring ball that we'll get to. We've got to be start looking ahead to BYU basketball as they get ready for their quarterfinal matchup. Who are they going to play? Well, we start to find out tomorrow night when the West Coast Conference tournament starts off with the first round with the 7-10 through 10 seeds squaring off. We'll start to kind of get an idea of, okay, who can BYU potentially match up against? We'll get you ready for that. We're scheduled to be able to meet with the basketball team on Thursday. We'll have some interviews for you to preview those games over the weekend. And here's hoping that BYU basketball can make a run to the West Coast Conference final, ter- final game and theoretically against number one Gonzaga. We'll see how it all goes and we'll track it for you as we always do right here on this daily podcast focused on all things BYU. With that, I'll sign off. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Jay Catch and this has been Locked on Cougars for March 6th, 2019.